Welcome to Time Travelling Team, the weekly podcast where we review every story of Doctor Who right from the very beginning. I'm Trisha. And I'm Paddy. In today's Rambling in the TARDIS, we take a look at Victoria's time in the TARDIS. We will be talking about her strengths and her weaknesses and picking out her best and worst episodes. We'd also love to hear your thoughts on Victoria, so to join the discussion, you can check us out at Time Team, that's T-I-M-E-T-E-A-M-P, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us at timetravellingteamp at teampproductions.com. So, another one bites the dust. <laughs> this time voluntarily. No, she didn't die. Yeah, <laughs> this time voluntarily. <laughs> no, uh, no, she did, no, she didn't die. She chose to do what was best for her. Yes. And Which is good. Yeah, which is good. It's very commendable. Conan might say it's best in life. <laughs> <laughs> or possibly not. You know, he had different priorities. <laughs> so, um, what I would like to say before we start off is that this is my second viewing of Victoria's time on the TARDIS. And I think, like a lot of the characters, a second go around on a more critical level my appreciation for the character of Victoria has actually grown. Whereas before, I think I even mentioned it you know, in the early days of this podcast, uh, that Victoria was the typical screaming companion. Now, she is a screamer, but there is a lot more to Victoria than is than is presented in terms of like, you know, that broad statement. So I'm glad that we have a chance to, to do this. I think one important thing to bear in mind for our listeners is that Victoria only had seven stories. So when it comes to picking her best and worst, um someone's gonna be like sucking hind tit and just like staying on <laughs> the story that never was. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So the way we usually do this is we discuss the strengths and weaknesses first, and then we go through mm-hmm. the best and worst episodes. Now, one thing that we started doing, I think with Ben and Polly, if I recall correctly, is as opposed to ending on the downer that is their weaknesses and their worst episodes, we changed it and we did the weaknesses and worst episodes first, <laughs> and the yeah. strengths and best episodes second. Because yeah. like, unlike one individual... Mm. <laughs> We always like to try and, you know, end things on a more positive um, note. And long-term listeners will know who we're referring to when we talk about that one individual. <laughs> Actually, I had a question for you. I meant to ask you on Monday, mm. for, but I forgot. Do you think that at times Jamie slips into Stephen mode? In relation to how he treats Victoria? Yeah. This is an interesting question. Mm-hmm. If he ever does, I think it's completely unintentional. Yeah. And as sad as this is to say, it's following the lead of the doctor. He takes his cues from the doctor, I think. Yeah. Because I don't think there's been a sort of, um, you know, oh, she'll have the whole place down around your ears type moment. But there's definitely been a sort, like a sort of, um, but what about, you know? Yeah, I think I think with Jamie and Victoria, it's more he took his responsibilities as her protector quite seriously. Yeah. And to steal a phrase from a work environment, he sometimes over-indexed in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, but we never said that Ian was like Stephen when he was constantly banging on about Barbara. Every other day, yeah, like, no, 
and Ben did it with Polly. So yeah, I wouldn't class it as she'll have her ears down around us or oh she's a klutz or whatever because yeah he never said anything disparaging about Victoria. Yeah. So yeah, no, because I was just wondering because you know like we like we we were were big fans of Jamie and. I think I, I would agree with you. I would say that you know it's unfortunately the doctor in this instance that has exhibited that behavior more so than Jamie has done. Let's just hope we have change now going forward. Fingers crossed. So, the weaknesses for Victoria. I think Victoria has one main weakness. Ah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Which is that she's often shown as being helpless. Mm-hmm. Which... I would deem to be a writing failure. Um, Susan suffered similarly. But it's a writing failure that forms a core part of her character. Yeah. She is, even if she goes out searching for them because she knows they're in trouble, it's constantly, Jamie, Doctor, like constantly, constantly, constantly. And it's constantly screaming, which I'm not against. The things that she saw are fucking terrifying. I have nothing against people screaming. But they don't give her... It's shown as helplessness, not an understandable reaction. We don't see enough bounce back. Yeah. Or or composure after. We're, We're... Like, we don't see enough barbarism. Or Polly, even. Because Polly was a screamer, too. Do you know? She She was. But... Polly, maybe it's because Polly was a little bit older. Polly's screaming was never treated as weakness. Yeah. And Polly was never treated as, well, she was never shown as being as helpless as Victoria, with the exception of the underwater menace. Underwater menace, yeah. No. I, th- I think, like, you know, we, I, I would like to cla- class, you know, Underwater Menace along with episode seven <laughs> of the, the Master Plan and just kind of go, yeah, b- banish you from whence you came. Um, yeah, no, um, I agree. Like, is she, like, the, the screaming sometimes leads to a tendency of giving in a bit too easily when faced with a setback, mm. um, which is unfortunate because we've seen that she's very capable. Mm. And I, I, I just hate that it's like a kind of like a crutch for fucking the the writers to kind of lie on us going, what do we do for this? I know we'll have Victoria scream. Yeah, and like I mentioned on Monday that I think this scream being the weapon in Fury from the Deep, it sounds like they're making fun of her. And it may have been them trying to redeem her character and trying to say, hey, you know, you all said that she was nothing but a screamer, but here her scream is important and whatever. But because she's not the one to make that discovery and because she doesn't own it when it's revealed to her, it's still shown as helplessness. Yeah, it's just like you're you're fucking kind of throwing the trope back at the, the viewer's face almost mm. type thing. Yeah, because like, it's, it's the fact that she doesn't own it. She does not own the solution. Yeah, which... It, <laughs> she's probably she's probably got like the most straightforward weakness out of everyone which is that she was a badly written character <laughs> probably yeah because like, like there is this complaint over I, I think uh, it's more so with Modern Who because of the most recent seasons is that oh you know too many cooks type mm-hmm. thing 
And like we've seen a four person TARDIS handled very, very well. Mm-hmm. And it's it just seems kinda of weird that they can't handle a three person team, you know? Because going like it's one less person, so therefore you should have more screen time. Yeah, and particularly when you consider the fact that like the doctor has things in common with both Jamie and Victoria. Yeah. Do you know, like I loved in Fury from the Deep, I really did like her science aid up in the TARDIS and the fact that she was doing her own experiments mm. off in her own little corner. And I love if she would have figured out the scream thing at that moment. Do yeah. you know? Um but like I don't get why they didn't pair her up with the doctor more for the sciencey part of it. She clearly understands or she has at least a functioning knowledge of it. And you mm. could have had very clear things where it's like you know, Victoria, stay here because it's not safe. Where your protectors stay here because it's not safe. Mm-hmm. Me and Jamie go off and do this. Jamie sit over there and don't fucking touch anything. But me and Victoria yeah. try and figure this out. There's a very easy way that they could have managed both of them very, very well. And I don't understand why they didn't. Yeah. I agree. I just like, I don't know why there's. They just didn't give the fucking time, you know, or why they didn't um, split it to have like a sort of like a not quite science bros, but, you know, science team aspect, you know. Mm. I think what really bothers me, though, is because her because she was often shown as helpless, people completely forget her strengths. Mm. Like I did some basic sort of, you know, how do people see Victoria? And she was very much the screaming companion. And you kind of warned me about it at the start. Like, it's like, she's the screamer. But, like, looking at her strengths, she has great spirit. She's incredibly intelligent. She's not dumb by any fucking stretch of the imagination. I love the little bits of science that she does. She clearly grew up, like, stood next to her father doing experiments Mm -hmm. with him and stuff. And even when scared out of her wits, she will still put herself out there for her friends. She may not know what she can do to help them, but she'll at least try and find them. And I think people forget that with her, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, because again, whenever you see a highlight reel, all you ever see is that, ah. Yeah, which... It's just, I mean, I don't know if you have any other strengths listed listed for her, but like... Do you mean weaknesses or... No, I'd oh, kind of segue onto strengths because I think she only has one. Oh, yeah, sorry, no, I, uh, I, sorry, my, with strengths, I have what is it there now? Uh, she's incredibly compassionate, uh, as we can mm-hmm. see, like you know, her interactions with Kemble. Uh, she's crafty as well in the sense of sometimes she can use people's perceptions of her against them, um, like and very wholesome in what you see is what you get kind of a, a way as well, you know. Uh, and she's, I view her as being brave at, at times as well, like especially, you know, when faced with the Cybermats and the Cybermen. Um, like, you know, when like, she's right there with her fucking big jug to hit a Cyberman, which if it peeks its head out. Um, like, and like, always said, like, that she's crafty, you know, the way that she fucking tricked, um, oh, his name fucking escapes me, but the young monk from the Abominable Snowman. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when she was like, "I'm oh, sorry," and then she dashes out the door and locks him in. So yeah, no, there was definitely a lot more to her than a highlight reel would show. Yeah, I, I think that, I think that's the bit that bothers me so much about her weaknesses mm-hmm. is that people only see her weaknesses. 
Yeah. I think we kind of had a similar thing a little bit with Polly. But I think with Victoria, it is it's it's, ten, it's tenfold. Yeah, it's tenfold. I think. Yeah, which is so unfortunate because I actually really liked her as a character. Yeah, like like like, would she crack my top five? No, but at the same time, she's definitely wouldn't be in my lower tier. You know. No, like I mean, if we look at the companions that we've had so far, I mean, she doesn't touch Ian and Barbara with a tenfold pole. Nobody no. does. Um, but like, I would probably have. Jamie, Polly, Victoria, Ben, and then the rest of them. Susan and Vicky, Brer, Sarah, Brett, Stephen, Dodo. Yeah. That would probably be my rundown. So, like, she may not ever be in my, my top, top most, but, like, she's in the upper half. I, I love the way as well that you're still, uh, you're keeping the justice for Brett going. Dude, if Sarah Kingdom counts, and if yeah. fucking Katarina counts... Brett should then count. Brett should count. <laughs> yep. Uh, justice for Brett. Yeah. Actually, the guys at Half Measures, they posted that into our, <laughs> one of our fucking... I saw. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Brilliant. It's okay. Nick Courtney came good in the end. <laughs> he did, yeah. But still. So now justice we... for Brett. Justice for Brett. Uh, so now we come to the main crux of the um, rambling, which is our discussion as to what is the best episodes and the worst episodes for uh, The Given Companion. So we'll, we'll switch it up. We'll go with what is the low point and what is the high point. So do you want to go first or will I go first? Uh, I'll go first. Cool. So from my worst episodes, mm-hmm. three, two, one, with one being the worst okay. of the worst. I have Enemy of the World, mm-hmm. Web of Fear, and the Ice Warriors. I have all of those, one of which is in the, the same position, the other two are flipped. Okay, so I have Web of Fear as the third worst, or in the case of Victoria, fifth best, depending <laughs> <laughs> on what you're going to do it. Um, what did you have in the, th- in the three spot? I have Web of Fear. Okay. Yeah. So let me do my enemy of the world and you can say where you placed it and, and how you different. Yeah. My thing with her enemy of the world is that she did nothing. Mm-hmm. Even though like she had a nice character history moment when she reflects back on what it was like growing up and the food that she had and blah blah blah. blah. Other than that though, she does nothing. The doctor forgets about her that she even exists. And the only thing that puts it in the three spot rather than higher is the fact that she was perfectly willing to smack Salamander up around the head. She redeemed herself in that small... Because it's not even redeeming herself. She did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, this wasn't a screamy episode for her, really. No. It was It was just she was underutilized. And that's it. Do you know? She did nothing good or bad. Um... But the one sort of close to good thing that she did was threaten to smack Salamander upside the head. <laughs> Actually, I think I fucking I I just realised that my ranking is wrong because I did it in a sort of a fucking arse backwards way. So enemy <laughs> enemy would buy would be also my number three. Okay. Yeah, because no, I um we had a nice character moment from her in like in the kitchen remembering her past. Mm-hmm. We had you know. You know, 
fucking oops outside your head with salamander or almost with salamander but also there's one part there where she sacrifices herself to try and get to buy to try and buy astrid time to get denna's out mm. and that's a companion moment for me if there ever was one so i really enjoyed that so yes sorry enemy is my third you know, like is my fourth best <laughs> fucking story from Victoria. So I'm going to change that now in case you know years down the line these notes become valuable in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> cool. So in the third worst, we have Enemy of the World. Yes. In the second worst, I have Web of Fear. So do I. Cool. My thoughts on Web of Fear is. She has some great moments with Travers. I-, I love her bits with Travers. I think it's even more sweet the fact that like that's her dad. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. She has some very lovely moments with him. But it was such a missed opportunity for her story wise. Like given her history, it would have been so easy to make her closer in the story mm. um than she was. Which gets fixed in downtime as I mentioned on Monday um, and they make her out to be incredibly dumb and childish which yeah I, I get that she's 15 but the whole like overhearing half a conversation and running away um, you mentioned at the time her telling dopey journalist man about the TARDIS and whatever and getting in trouble over that and it's kind of like really <laughs> like you had this amazing opportunity to give her a good episode, and this is what you give her. Yeah, like it's it's a complete wasted opportunity. Like, uh, like from my mind, she bar having that dumb moment with the the um, fucking reporter. There's not a whole lot to write home about here, you know. No, is it her her scenes with her dad are great? Like, yeah, but that's that, more. I think that's more just Deborah and her dad. As opposed then to Victoria and Travers, yeah. Um, yeah, so that would be the number two. And for me, the worst episode of hers is The Ice Warriors. In which, literally, she does nothing. She got kidnapped at the start. And then... Nothing. No. Not, not a fucking anything to write home about. She does a little bit of like explaining the Doctor's science for the benefit of the audience. Hmm. but that's it yeah and like I'm surprised they didn't lean more heavily into her screams causing an avalanche or something yeah <laughs> do you know because they hinted at it do you know every time she screamed the wall rumbled some snow hmm. fell Um, it's just like it was a nothing episode for her like literally she did fuck all and at the end, because obviously Deborah had to go home early, she didn't even get to the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> she, she goes back to the TARDIS off screen. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, we're perfectly aligned on our 3 2 one. <laughs> so we'll shift it up and go with our best episode. I'm assuming we both have. Um, this is an assumption on my part, but I'm going to make the assumption that episode. The, Episode number seven, which would go between the three worst and the three best for both of us, is her first story, right? Or do you have that as one of her best episodes? Uh, so wait, I I'm confused here. Oh no, no, uh, like her, no, her first story. Yeah, no, that's in the middle. 
So that's that, that that's basically episode four. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So in that case, what are your best episodes ranking three to one? Three being third best. One one being best best. Cool. So I've got the Abominable Snowman, mm-hmm. Shuri from the Deep, and the mm-hmm. Tomb of the Cybermen. What's up, Giggles? They're exactly the same. <laughs> You're three, two, one. There are only seven episodes to pick from. <laughs> but yes, for three, I have a Bottomless Snowman. For two, I have Fury from the Deep. And for one, I have two of the Cyber. Now, admittedly, I did change this because originally I had Abominable in number one. Mm-hmm. Or no, I had Abominable in number two and I had Fury in number three. But after mm. our discussion on Monday, I changed them. Yeah. Because... I really, she did a lot more strong stuff in Fury. It was just the fact that she was sidelined, sort of ruined it for me a bit. Yeah. But then again, like, I think it's always one of those things of where, like, you know, we have our decisions and then after actually talking to each other, we realize that going, oh, yeah, wait, this happened. Or wait, no, that didn't happen. Or something like that. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. We should change it. Yeah. Unless- I, I, I wrote this list while pissed at what happened to her in episode one of that story. So. Okay. Unless it's the gunfighters, in which case that DVD is still for sale. So <laughs> still available. Uh, um, I feel like if the um, the YouTube uh, Doctor Who expert uh, Josh Nairs ever hears this, he's going to be very upset with us because gunfighters is one of his favorites. <laughs> Sorry, dude. To each their own. But yeah, <laughs> no, not a hope. Uh, although we do agree with you that the first Doctor is one of the best Doctors around. Yes, yes, we do. So, the not quite pleasant uh, Winterman of. <laughs> similar but legally distinct. Um, but what the. the uh, so, yeah, okay. For me, the Abominable Snowman was we get to see some of her more resourceful nature. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense of, you know, as I said, tricking. Um, no, not Tomkin, not Tomko. Fuck it, I can't remember his name. Young I'm thinking Ma- Milo, because remember when we recorded that episode, I couldn't remember the name of the character from that book I told you about? I mm-hmm. never remember the name of the character from the book, and I can't remember the name of the character from the episode. I'm going to look him up there now, because it is going to bug the ever-living shite out of me. But him, person, uh, he... Uh, I, I like the way that she kind of fucking gets one up on him. Um, she is quite savvy throughout the entirety of the story uh ton me ton me um sorry no she gets the one up on him she holds her own quite a bit in in dealing with the the various monks like rinchen and the asshole monks oh what the fuck is his name oh chrisan um so that was kind of cool to see you know like and especially like a woman in that type of environment um i do like her thing at the end where you know, she tells the two boys, like, no, we go when he, like, we're following his plan. Like, we're not going to, f-. she doesn't let them kind of fucking run on a rough shot. But, like, you know, there are, like, there, as we said, look, there's elements of sidelining, there's elements of sexism, which aren't nice. But overall, I think it's a solid performance from uh, Victoria early into her tenure. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the story was a great outing for her. Um, it showed her bravery, it showed her intelligence, it showed her willingness to get stuck in for the sake of her friends, even th- when they abandon her without a fucking word. Mm-hmm. Bastards. 
you know, we see how you know, she she refuses to be put in the corner. Yeah. Everyone tries to put her in a corner. Even Tommy tries to put her in a cell. And she refuses. And she's like, no, fuck this. You're not controlling my life this way. I'm a strong-ish, independent-ish woman. I can do whatever I want. Um, the reason why it goes in the number three spot for me, because that all sounds fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. The reason why it goes in the number three spot for me is because it's the cultural insensitivity bit that really irked me in that story, if you remember. Yeah. Like the whole reason she wanted to go into the inner sanctum was not because she thought it had something to do with the Yeti. It wasn't because she thought that the abbot was being suspicious. She was just fucking nosy. Pure fucking nosy, yeah. No, like, I remember that there now. And thinking about it, when we talked about Fury from the Deep on Monday, I was like, actually, yeah, that that was something about her and the mm-hmm. way she behaved that bothered me. Yeah. As opposed to the way other people treated her that bothered me. Because there is the sexism stuff as well in that story. But what really irked me from a Victoria's best outing perspective is that little bit of cultural insensitivity is just like, hmm. Would have rather you hadn't done that. Yeah. We don't like that. So I guess that leads us into our number two discussion, which we kind of had recently. <laughs> Uh, um, Fury from the Deep Um, so just as kind of a recap from my own notes while yes there are unfortunate elements of Victoria's character displayed in terms of being kind of put you know baby being put into the corner or this unfortunately the the solution being her screaming but her not owning it which I think is a huge fucking missed opportunity but what makes that the number two of her best performances are we get to see her scientific acumen we get to see her resourcefulness with her lock picking skills and we get quite possibly one of the best fucking uh goodbye stories we've seen for companion since ian and barbara yeah i would agree with all of that i hate how she was sidelined i said this on monday it really fucking pissed me off and i think the screaming solution was super corny i think it could have been done so much better they had opportunity for her to at least suspect it in the TARDIS and then play with it herself and try and figure it out however the reason why it gets to the number two spot even with that right even with her being sidelined even with her being reduced to just screaming for a lot of it and the joke that I feel is made of that and the fact that that's the solution Mm -hmm. this shows who Victoria is yeah the fact that the boys tried to leave her behind and she said no. And she went after them anyway. Irrespective of the fact that she got locked in a room and gassed, she went after them anyway. The fact that you have the two lads trying to hoist Jamie up and out the door. Which, by the way, Victoria's probably lighter. Why didn't you chuck her through the top of the door? What's mm. that You have them trying to hoist Jamie up and she's just there going, or oh, I could use my bobby pin and on like, hey, where did she learn that? inquiring minds want to know mm. um i i have this vision of like a 12 year old victoria breaking into her dad's lab using her hairpins yeah. to do this um but like she does that twice <laughs> you know she doesn't get out of the room she doesn't break into harris's house later um we get to see her dedication even when she's afraid like she still keeps going 
she could very easily have just stopped and stood in the corner and said no fuck off leave me alone she still kept going the development of her goodbye was fantastic oh it's so well done so 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 fabulously done like I said it's the best goodbye we've had since Ian and Barbara and I think the goodbye aspect to it Mm. within the story itself I think is almost better developed than the chase because the chase was all in the last 10 minutes yeah whereas this was built up over the story however for me the chase was more fun to watch yeah which is why that peaks it from that perspective but in terms of the goodbye though it doesn't like it's not like dodo or vicky where litters came up out of fuck off nowhere um you can see the toll it's taking on her you can see how upset she is you can see how strong she's trying to be for the guys and i think that it shows everything that victoria is do you know literally everything it shows her strengths it shows her weaknesses it shows her like i loved her doing the science stuff i really wish we got to see more of that mm. because it it's just like there's more to this girl than, than we saw so for me Fury takes the number two spot because even though she was sidelined, whereas in Abominable, she wasn't sidelined as much. There's just such the plethora of Victoria in Fury. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And to be honest, I didn't mention it one day, but the writers of that story and the producer of that story, if you have an actor choosing to leave... Mm -hmm who you don't want to leave yeah what a way to show them how much you appreciated them than to give them a goodbye like that like i said if they just solved the other two bits it would have been perfect not everyone gets that like even yeah, to, even today they really not, don't. No, even today no, not everyone gets that people decide to leave and they get fucking shafted you know? yeah um it re- you know it really reminds me of a future companion's departure Mm-hmm. Um, where the character's departure was completely out of left field at the end of the story mm-hmm. but that was the actress's wish yeah she wanted it that way yeah Um, and this sort of reminds me of that a little bit Um, I think they did her a great service I think if you're someone who you know doesn't know what to make of Victoria just look at the way they said goodbye to her and that tells you how much she mattered in Doctor Who's history. Yeah, I think that's a good, I think that's a good way as well to kind of judge or tell a companion's work, you know. Mm. So we now come to our number one spot. Tomb of the Cybermen. I was going to say the other Ice Warriors, but you know, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the Tomb of the Cybermen. Um, it was a great four-parter, uh, with illogical logicians. <laughs> um. A, no, the story itself fuck it, it's, it's great but for Victoria's first story you know, like after her origin point in Evil of the Daleks uh, it's great it's like she's how you put it like okay so she's again brave she's very crafty uses like people's perceptions of her against them um Pretty again, just fucking pretty ballsy. We get to see a very sweet moment in terms of like you know her with the doctor over the whole trying to remember families and whatnot, and 
I think like that laid the groundwork for what would be like for like not every writer capitalized on the foundation that Tomb of the Cybermen made. Mm. But it was a hell of a foundation, I think. Yeah, and I think I think the three stories we've picked as the top three stories are probably the ones that lent the most heavily into that relationship that they had built. Mm-hmm. Um, I said Web of Fear Travers mentions it. Yeah. But that to me came across more as that writer referring to his previous his own previous story where he had acknowledged it um as opposed to doubling down on it although i suppose i suppose i'm being a bit cruel he does mention it because the doctor tells to jamie look you have to take care of her and stuff like that maybe i'm doing that particular writer a disservice um i think though for me the reason why tomb took the top spot Uh is there is no negative yeah there is no negative for Victoria in that story. No, I agree. Um, you know, you mentioned she uses her people's perception of her to her advantage. And that's what I wanted from Fury from the Deep. Yeah. Victoria knows she screams a lot. And she knows that when she screams, she gets a reaction. And she used that to her benefit. She used it against, um, what's her name? Captain. Captain, yeah. She used it against Captain. She used it against the captain of the ship. Mm-hmm. You know, totally putting on the waterworks and like playing him like a fiddle. Do you know? And like that's what I wanted to see from Fury. Do you know? Mm. Is her owning it? Um, her bits with the Doctor about family were absolutely lovely. Her um, even her bit at the beginning where she's really uncomfortable in the dress and like she's asking them like, "Are you sure that this is okay?" and it sort of showed the sort of family dynamic that would develop between the Doctor and Victoria and Jamie and Victoria. And it really showed that in a really good way. And I can't think of a negative. Um, I could probably go back through my notes. I'm sure I probably listed something, but nothing is coming to mind. I don't think there is a negative for her in that story. Not, nothing, nothing huge. From, like, not, nothing huge. You know? She gets left behind. Mm. But, like, for some reason it doesn't come across as bad because Kaftan also got left behind. Yeah. But, and as well, like, you, you get fucking bonus points for getting ready to defend a doorway against Cybermen with a fucking, like, essentially a big pot. <laughs> uh, pretty fucking ballsy, if you ask me. Oh, I remembered what the negative was. What? She put the fucking Cybermat in her purse. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dumbass. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think, I think that I think those three stories are amazing, and like remember our conversations about them. While Fury had a bit that made me furious, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there I don't think there's any denying they're her best. Mm. Um, evil gets somewhere in the middle because she's not really in it a whole lot and she doesn't really do much no um i would probably put it you know i would put it on the four spot in best rather than the four spot in worst if that makes sense yeah um i would draw the line maybe under 
it. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I, I'd agree. But like the leap from there to Abominable Snowman is so massive that like it didn't yeah. make the list. Of no, no, it, it it couldn't. Like I just think, and I if, when you're going through like seven stories, you're like, fuck it, Jesus, it's it's actually fucking tougher than you think. But um, no, it was the only one that just didn't fit into a slot for me. You know, mm. I said it's not because it was bad. It's not because it was. I think I think it was the gap between it and the others were so massive. Yeah. The gap between it and Enemy and the gap between it and Abominable are just too big for it to reasonably fit. Yeah. Whereas Enemy, Web, and Ice, they all kind of mesh well together. And Tomb, Fury, and Abominable, and Abominable they all mesh well together. Yeah. No, I agree. So, Evil, you're your own unique thing. <laughs> You're special. Uh, <sighs> so, I guess that brings us to the end of another rambling. Indeed. We may see Victoria in a future rambling many, many years from now mm-hmm. if we decide to do downtime. But we have a few other companions to get through first before we can even consider touching that. Just a couple. <laughs> but, so, as we said on Monday, we're back to normal format on this coming Monday, so we will be talking about The Wheel in Space, and it will be the end of Trisha's favourite genre of story. <laughs> but again, guys, we would love to hear your thoughts on Victoria's Time. Uh, whether you agree with us or not, we always love to hear different opinions. So, that uh, us on a postcard. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love how you say it, like, jokingly, that's my favourite theme, whereas yeah. it is in reality. Your favorite type of it, it's one of my genre. favorite. It, it's one of my favorite genres. Yes, <laughs> when done well. Okay. Bye. Bye.